Hi and welcome to Entrepreneurship with Peter Christo. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing Mr. Peter North, the founder and director of 3P Legal, which is part of the 3P Group. Peter has been my lawyer for about 15 years now and he has dealt with a lot of the fintech and crypto stuff that I'm involved in. I found Peter to be an extraordinarily honest, open and intelligent man who is committed to his work. He brings his whole self to the job. I thought this was an important conversation because it's critical to have a good lawyer, a good accountant as you navigate your way through the start, the middle and the end of businesses. Peter is insightful, open and honest. This isn't an advertisement. Peter is just a good example of the sort of person you should be looking for when you go out to the world and find a lawyer to help you with your business. Please enjoy my conversation with Peter North. So uh, I am a commercial lawyer that um, has spent 10 years in a medium-sized firm uh, in the city and the opportunity came up um, for me to start 3P Legal, which was connecting in with a, a group of other professional service providers, um, providing a, a holistic service to clients um, and I really aligned with, with their mission. And so I thought, you know what, this is a great opportunity. I should should take it. Um, so it does mean that when I started um, my legal practice, it was 2009, the beginning of the, or at least the middle of the GFC, as far as Australia was concerned. Um, so in my particular graduate year, there were, um, uh, I think, uh, the uh, law grads were being fired left, right, and centre. So I was grateful to have a job, uh, right. and. Um, anyway, so I thought I'd also bookend my um, uh, career by by then going out on my own during the great pandemic. So um, uh, certainly, I think all, that, all uh, rational decisions. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't know, but uh, it, it, in, in both cases, it, it's all worked out really well. Um, so the firm I joined originally it was the firm that I stayed with until I left the 3P, and they were a great firm, um, great people to work with, and so I found the same at 3P. Um, and so I've grown my team at 3P Legal, which was originally just me to a team of um, four. So that we've got a law grad, uh, an associate lawyer and a paralegal. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, I keep hiring more staff and, and keep not being able to get everything done within the time that I like to get things done. So um, I think that's a good problem to have. And yeah, so and, and the ethos for 3P is that they have a we have a passion for helping people to prosper. So that's what the three P's are, um, passion, people, prosper. So, um, yeah, and that aligns with my legal practice more generally. Nice, nice. So so what, maybe explain the, the those values that uh, 3P uh, kind of, a lot of times, I guess, businesses will put a, <laughs> bit of a tagline on their business um, mm. and not really walk the walk sort of thing. So what, what, what does that really mean? Yeah, so for me, and it was always the case with my legal practice, is that um, it's it's not just about the transactional nature of the work, but it's also about really understanding the client, <clears throat> what business they're in, what they're doing, what drivers they're facing, um, what the goals that they're wanting to achieve are, and uh, then to to translate that into the legal um, steps or actions and or defensive actions that they need to take in order to get them what they need or want. Um, and so looking at it from a from a holistic pers perspective. So rather than just saying, well, we just provide this service 
take it or leave it. It's really looking at the person's circumstances and, and needs and trying to um, actually, yeah, uh, uh, it's a relational model of doing law, really. Um, it's interesting. It's providing services as well. Yeah, so I was having, I won't say a name, but I was having a conversation recently uh, with another lawyer who does family law, and he mm. had a different approach entirely. He talked about filtering out clients who he knew were going to be a problem mm. uh, and basically just just cherry-picked uh, the ones that are yeah. going to be the, the lowest, lowest lift for him and the maximum money. Uh, that doesn't yeah. sound like the way you approach, but you must still face the same quandary. Well, I mean, so so I'm fortunate in that that my clients are, are wonderful. Um, they're often leaders in their fields, um, and they're um, uh, motivated. They're trying to get do things, uh, and we're we're in a fortunate position to be able to help them. And so, um, yeah, I, I love my clients. They're, they're they're fantastic, and and often you are um, yeah just in a, a really fortunate position to be part of decisions that they're making, um, and and helping them to to achieve the objectives that they've got. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see it as, I, I, a lot of my clients are very long-term. Um, yep. And so, and yourself included. Um, and uh, yeah, you, when you're in there for the journey um, and the ups and downs, then then uh, yeah, there's, there's you, I, I don't have to be their lawyer for everything. Um, mm -hmm. But if I am to be their trusted advisor, so that they know that they can come to me and and say, well, you know, this is the situation. What should I do? I may not be able to help them directly, but I can certainly connect them with the right people. Sure, sure. And look, you know, if as you're, you know, somebody who's used your services for a few years, uh, you know, across a couple of things, including you know, business and personal stuff, um, mm -hmm. you know, I do, I, you know, I, I do uh, feel that I can you know, pretty well cover my eyes and just go, yep, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know, as in, <laughs> as in um, I don't, I don't need to double check, you know, mm. if, you know, if you, if you say, look, this is how it is, um, uh, you know, then it's really, then it's really with me. I don't have to get a second opinion as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't need it. Um, mm. And so, yeah, so the, the trust feeling is very much mutual. So there's lots of love here, buddy. Lots of love. So, so let's, given this is in a, a you know, podcast and entrepreneurship and, and particular, particularly, what I'm trying to do, I guess, is tease out the stuff that people don't talk about. Um, what are with the, with the clients that you deal with who come to you? I presume some of them are pre-startup, some of them are, you know, they're they're, they're in flight. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how you deal with, I guess, calibrating where they are, where with how how um, they should be investing their time and and money into legal services? Not too late, not too they're not too early yeah <clears throat> so it definitely depends what stage of the life cycle you're at um pre-startup is is tough there's a lot of bootstrapping going on and so legal fees are probably the um they're they're the hardest spend because they don't advance your central mission necessarily forward you, it doesn't necessarily help you with your minimum viable product um mm -hmm. that you might be trying to achieve so there is certainly a um uh, a need for it but not necessarily a capacity to pay for it so in the very very pre-startup um, stage so the but then in my experience if you start well you'll 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 finish better <laughs> you know? right. um it's certainly in terms of disputes so a lot of the work that i do as well is is helping people to 
um, you know, when they're joining together, joining forces, starting a company together, um, trying to uh, work through some of the issues that might arise um, in the course of a longer term relationship. I call, call it like the prenup for for businesses, which is um, the shareholders agreement, sort of walking, working through right. some of the key decisions that might come up, you know, some of the typical things that I see on the other end where people are trying to get out of business together and the relationships are broken down. Um, so so it's a, it, certainly from my perspective, it, at that end of the, the, the market, there's some key legal things that need to be done, but may, uh, people may choose not to spend them the money because it's uh, uh, you know it's it's not central to their their core product that they're trying to get out, um, and so it's just a matter of working with them in terms of payment flexibility or or um, fixed fee arrangements um, to to time the work that we do with perhaps when when they'll actually get funds in. So if they're doing a capital raise at the same time or, or whatever, we can we can work through <clears throat> a lot of those issues because we do think that it's important, even though at the time perhaps the cost may be inaccessible. Um, mm -hmm. At the end of the day as well, it just depends on on the type of, um, you know, uh, industry that they're in and, and what they're doing um, as to what legal needs that they'll have right up front. Mm -hmm. um, so, so. Yeah, we're just certainly happy to explore and, and have conversations with people because, again, conversations lead to um, a, a deeper understanding of my uh, of what um, what I can do for them. So the help that I can give them, um, and then also for them, it's a it's a you know if I can give them a heads up that such and such might be an issue in three months' time or six months' time, then at least in six months' time they might think, oh, actually I've got to deal with this. This is not just nothing. So, sure. So, mm -hmm. so one of the the things that um, I know you've had to deal with is uh, technology startups uh, or, or small technology businesses who have complexity. So, uh, you know, the the ones that are operating in blockchain and crypto um, now, I'm sure, are going to be facing AI. You're going to be facing a whole bunch of emerging uh, robotics. Uh, how do you synthesize? How do you get across that? I mean, my phone doesn't ring off the hook, so I'm sure you're, you're either Googling or whatever it is. So how do you understand, I guess, the the core uh, reality of, of, you know, things like AI and blockchain so you can actually provide your advice and your, and your you know, your, your legal, uh, you know, service? Yeah, so, so in some ways, you know, the operating environment hasn't changed. So it, it, from a legal perspective, it's like, you know, you've got laws around fundraising, <clears throat> you've got um, licensing in, involved in that and and blockchain, you know, one of the key issues um, is really, you know, is what I'm doing going to be regulated by ASIC or is it not? Or am I voluntarily going to be regulated by ASIC or, or the anti-money laundering um, counter-terrorism finance things? So, so in a way, it's like the, you know, the advances uh, 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 key to driving innovation but but from the legal perspective i mean it's that, that's slow to change so mm -hmm. so um it's really sort of being able to translate the issues um uh, from a legal perspective into um you know and if, if they can explain their business model to me they can explain it to a regulator um you sure. know and and so at the end of the day <clears throat> um it's really just a matter of understanding their business, um, which is the key driver, and then translating that into the, the regulatory issues or legal issues that might arise for, for them. And certainly, yes, AI is, is one of those, copyright um, contained in that, and um, yeah, conversational language learning and um, 
<clears throat> so so from my perspective yeah it's a it's a matter of really understanding the, the the business environment that they're in and then translating that for the regulatory so so you don't find a challenge with um for example in in the crypto world there are you know there's the notion of custody um and you know people think about custody from a physical point of view you know i'm, I'm you know i own my phone uh you know i own the cash that's in my pocket you know whatever um but there are nuances there where it's really, for example, it's really about the control of keys mm -hmm. rather than actual physical custody. And sometimes physical custody and digital custody aren't, uh, you know, you can't use this, I guess, the same assumptions around them because there are nuances. Uh, and that must translate into the sort of agreements or the contracts, particularly for providing services. If I go out with an offering and I'm providing a service around uh, you know, some sort of, uh, I'm trying to not give away some of the stuff I'm working on at the moment, but, but if, <laughs> yeah. you've, if you've got... I've if also you've got, got giving legal advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, and live live on air. <laughs> um, mm. So so there must be there must be times where the new world, the new digital world, is so completely different to the old physical world or the, you know, the physical world, and they need to interoperate that... It, it, you, do you ever find yourself trying to turn left and right at the same time? Yeah, it depends on the task. I mean, in, in terms of the um, specific financial services regulations, um, I wouldn't call myself a financial services lawyer, and there are um, uh, those firms around there that can do that specifically. Um, the the Certainly, from my perspective, I know enough to, to warn people of the pit, pitfalls, um, but then the reality is, is that this is a changing area of law um, and certainly we're we're seeing a lot i mean the ripple case is sort of still ongoing over in the us that's going to impact um uh, the perception at least as to whether or not these um are securities uh certainly that the, the case over there seems to say that um they're not um although the sec is still <laughs> pressing cases towards various companies so so in in contrast the, the system in australia is is more settled i'd say um so uh, yeah but there's certainly issues still to be worked through in custody Absolutely. being one of those things this podcast is brought to you by Christo partners strategic advisors to assist you in commercializing your innovations if you have an opportunity you seek to bring to market and need help with either going to market connecting with universities to access technology or raising capital or any other matter contact us on hello at christopartners.com yeah, I just up uh, the crypto, the crypto, the crypto assembly uh, up in Sydney uh, last yeah. week, um, Thursday, Friday, um, and uh, we had we had uh, a range of speakers, including from the US, about regulations yeah. coming through. And I had to say, I was surprised that there was some, there was you know there was logic and, and sense in the room. So, mm. so I'm imagining that, but it, but it must be uh, framing regulations must be like driving driving a car while you're looking in the rearview mirror. You know, oh, yeah, 100%. And and there's politics at play as well in some of those regulations, I think. And, and um, you know, that's protective. It's trying to protect the consumer that um, that might lose all their money as a consequence of these things. Um, yeah. So the regulation is drived towards, um, usually it's, drived to, towards, it's, it's driven towards uh, uh, disclosure obligations and making sure the disclosure obligations are met in relation to the particular securities um, which are being offered um yeah the, the 
there are issues with uh, that, I think, in terms of uh, retail uh, investors' access to, you know, money-making activities. Um, so, but then it's very hard when someone has lost all of their money as a consequence of one of those things not to actually regulate. So, so yeah. I expect more regulation, not re less in this area, for sure. Sure, sure. I mean, look, nefarious actors, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's llama beans, coffee beans, crypto, yep. cash, mm. yeah, it happened. Uh, yep. And uh, yep. we can, and, you know, what, what's the uh, KB at MTOR, buyer beware? Um, <laughs> is, that, is that right? Did I get that right? It is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think people forget that, uh, that, you know, going with your eyes open uh, with this sort of thing and, um, yeah, so so you kind of touch on a point that I'd written down here that I wanted to talk about. I don't know how big a deal it is, but given the borderless nature of some of the technologies, how does that affect your work from a legal perspective, uh, given that, you know, movement uh, of information and, and knowledge and, you know, digital assets is so seamless now? Um, is that is that a challenge? Uh, so from the legal perspective, it's interesting. So yes, I run a completely paperless office almost. Um, uh, and um, my clients come from all over Australia, really. So in terms of um, the uh, borderless environment that we're sort of in, uh, we, we have um, a wonderful opportunity to connect with people outside of Victoria um, and to provide services um, uh, to them via, you know, uh, Zoom or um, through the email or whatever. But uh, the the reality is is that um, yeah, that obviously does pose um, issues uh, with you know offerings and and whatnot. So um, it, making sure between that states are made in Australia. Well, so so just in terms of offers and stuff, but but uh, um, it's a matter of making sure that. Um, you know, in some prospectuses, they'll say, you know, this offer is not made in the US. Um, because, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a paperless document. I mean, theoretically, if the offer, once it's out there, could be made to a person in the US. But there's there's ways to say, well, no, this is not an offer to you in this particular jurisdiction, because if it was, it'd be way more headaches. <laughs> so um, certainly, I think, from the from the capital raising perspective, there's, there's a need to make sure that that you are in control of who you're making offers to. Um, and particularly the smaller end of the market, that's even more important because if you're relying on some personal offer ex uh, exemption, you really do need to make sure it's a, a personal offer made to someone who's already interested in receiving offers of that type. Um, right. So so that's certainly something that um, is a feature in, in the modern day. So, so do you... So do you find uh, challenges, particularly when we're talking about regulation? Uh, so, you know, Australia has regulation coming, but we haven't got it quite yet. Singapore's got regulation. There's financial services and, and I guess, digital assets again. Um, uh, you know, America's got regulations, but you've, they've got di between different states, seven different, different regulations. It must mm. make it hard because you, you can't cut everyone out of the pie. You go, OK, everybody in Burwood. Victoria, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you see Binance move off offshore, um, but even they've had to come to an agreement with the US government. So, I mean, I think if you're operating worldwide, you've got to really be engaging with lawyers worldwide. I mean, it's it's yeah. not feasible for a lawyer in Victoria or New South Wales to 
to have all of the information that's required for all states and territories and all jurisdictions. I mean, the reality of, um, and we work with a number of multinational businesses in the end of the day, you give advice on Victorian law, that's what I'm authorised to do, um, mm. um, admitted in Victoria, um, and to the extent to which it touches on other countries. I mean, you, 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 if, if, if they're tracking back from a British system, you've got a rough idea as to what the laws will be. Um, but at the end of the day, that, that you, you need a lawyer in that particular jurisdiction to actually provide some cover yeah. advice as to, you know, actually there's some quirks here that you need to take into account. Yeah, yeah. So so it sounds like there's a, there's a component to what you do that is really a bedside manner as well, Pete. So there's a, you know, there's how you deliver the goods, uh, which yeah. is just as important as, as delivering the goods. And mm -hmm. do, so does that tie then back into, I guess, bringing your personal, char personal character to, to working with, um, with, you know, new venture? So, so what I'm saying is, I guess, you must be faced with having to deal with a, a range of personalities and a range of stresses that people are facing um, uh, that might result in them making decisions that are, you know, maybe even nefarious or even, you know, you know, questionable decisions. Um, how do you line that up with your, with, you know, I guess delivering, maintaining your values and maintaining, you know, a quality service, particularly once you're engaged to to support them. Yeah, so I think that it helps that, um, yeah, that my clients are, are lovely and generally speaking do align with do you choose um, them because they're lovely or do they become become <laughs> lovely <laughs> uh, well i think it's it's the networks that i sort of uh, am a part of um tend to tend to um be networks that align with my values so so as a consequence the people in those circles end up you know and end up aligning with your own values so um and i find that referrals from either existing clients or um, those networks are, you know, the, the best clients to have. Um, so I don't typically find people find me off the internet and sort of yep. <laughs> say, "Hey, I want to use you." But but they know someone who knows someone who's who's dealt with me before. So so to an extent that that solves that problem. I also work in commercial law, and so we're doing um, things collaboratively, collaboratively usually. Um, so on the not on the dispute side of things. So, um, and to that end, usually there's a win-win solution somewhere along the line, which you're trying to find. Um, so, so from that perspective, I think that that the area of the, of law that I'm in allows me to um, uh, to, um, to to not have to deal with some of the issues that that might yeah. be faced with people trying to hide, conceal, mm -hmm. um, and act in ways which I you wouldn't necessarily agree with but um but that said i think that it's still there is still uh, i think that if if your client's not following your advice um there's only so long that that relationship yeah. can, it's a good can, sign it's a, they'll self self-select out really yeah so because I mean, they're, um, they're paying for it paying for advice not following it then why why do you keep calling you know yeah so so at that point it, it, the 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 there's probably bigger issues at play for them, <laughs> but um, at the end of the day, if they're, if they're not following your advice, then, then I mean, and to to that extent, it's the the, the way I normally um, uh, uh, provide advice is really to say, look, these are the, these are the risks, these are the issues. Um, if you did this, this will happen. If you did this, this will probably happen. Um, and then yep. you know, ultimately, it is the client's decision as to what they do. So it's sure. not not as as though, um, but then. 
you know, things which are outside of that even, um, you know, if you don't necessarily agree with them, then, um, uh, yeah, I think that, that ultimately just wouldn't be a, um, something that would uh, uh, make the relationship very easy. So, and that, you know, as you say, it would, it would naturally sort of... Sure, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so I guess the, the, old, the old question is, in, in particularly for, for the early stage ventures, what would be the key things, I, I guess even we can sort of identify, we've talked a little bit about capital raising and whatever, but in terms of uh, when, when it's time to engage, what are the no normally the topics around where you would want to engage? So I'm imagining, you know, intellectual property, I'm imagining uh, agreements with partners, those early stage things must be you know the important the important things that you at least get right to to a degree um, mm. or as much as you possibly can is there anything else that you, you would suggest to to think about yeah so i think if you're going into business with someone as well um certainly i think that there's it's wise to actually think through the ways in which you actually approach decision making um, because people do approach decision making very differently um so a lot of people go in as friends and come out as enemies but um yep. But you can avoid that if you actually have some conversations up front about like, you know, what if we need to take money out of the business uh, because I've got school fees to pay. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, uh, but, but the other party wants to pl continue plowing money back into the business and send their kid to local school um, right. uh, in, order to, to, in order to, well, in order to, to achieve a greater objective. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. You know, if we actually right, right. Plow, back, plow, plow our money back in the first five years then you know we'll make 10 times as much in 10 years so it's like delayed yep. gratification really so i think that's one of the key ones um i, I think as well having a mind on um uh, uh you, the way so if you think about it it's like so so we can help on the front end which is how you make money it's like the contracts that allow you to do that and, it, and they have an effect of modifying your risk as well um in the sense of trying to to mitigate that to the extent that you can um and uh, making sure that you can get paid um, contractually. So if you had to sue on your contracts, could you actually get paid? Yep. Um, uh, and 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 that that advice um, is surprisingly, um, you know, there's a lot of businesses that are started on handshakes, and handshakes are very hard to enforce on, in the courts. I've been um, Yeah. So so the reality is a contract, a, a written contract for um, at least with your customers, and then same deal on your suppliers if you if you're dealing with suppliers and making sure that you know the payment terms that you've got um and the things that you're signing up and the, the risks associated with you know suppliers are often trying to get personal guarantees and you may have limited capacity to actually uh, resist those um but um you, there are ways to actually uh, mitigate the risks even even as a part of that so so right in the early stages there's some risk mitigation activities and you know um uh, that, that you can do um that at least limit um, if things go the other way, how bad that that way will be. Um, so in terms of the, uh, th that's sort of the, the starting of a normal business. In terms of starting uh, a business using fundraising or something like that, I mean, I think that the biggest sort of ticket item is to really understand that there are limitations on raising money from people. <laughs> Just at yeah. a high level, there are limitations. Um, you have to do it in a way which complies with the law.
Um, and so if, if you're not aware of those, then you need to become aware because it's a responsibility that you have. Um, and there are easy ways in doing it and the hard ways of doing it. So, yeah. Right. So, the, so the, but the, the old approach of, you know, getting a bunch of friends in the garage and, you know, whiteboarding your idea and getting them to write a check, it's a very old school thing. So does that still occur or has Fine. everyone gone off to? Are there still to, checks? I'm not, not sure. <laughs> well, they, they are, well, I think my, my ex-wife uses chicks. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think that the, the obviously there's there's no intellectual property in ideas. So there's a, there's a lot that that actually goes on in execution. So, and part of that execution is is doing some of the things that I've said. Some of that execution is also making sure that your your customers you're meeting your customers' needs. And you know, we don't get too involved in that side of things. I mean, that's a sort of a corporate that's a you activity, sort of making yep. sure that the the um, products or whatever they're selling um, mm. actually uh, are, are useful. And at the end of the day, I mean, from my perspective, it's like you know, law is one thing, but but ultimately we're just trying to be useful. We're all trying to be useful for. Right. in this world um you know and if you pr produce a product or service that's useful to to someone and they pay you for it then you know you you, you win for the capitalist system and win for you for you yeah. um and and so so we work in concert on that it's like so we're um so from the legal side you know it, it's it's like we really want to know how you're actually contracting with people um you know what is the way that is easiest for you um and then also to then comply and to do the things so um and to get paid uh but but yeah i think that there are still you know idea pe people coming together with great ideas and then um uh finding the network of people that'll be able to fund that i mean that's it's certainly still going on and and at 3p we're still um, in the works of talking about a 3p accelerator which would would sort of because um, obviously at 3p we've got accounting and tax um property and finance uh financial planning um legal uh and um so uh so from from that perspective we actually have a, a, a good team that can come around people so we're we're looking at being able to um uh, uh you know have an intake of people that have great ideas but need support to sort of help get that to the next stage um and yeah at the end of the day yeah, we, we, we want to help people to prosper. So um, that would be a part of that. So, so you touched on, um, you know, ideas, not intellectual property. It's probably one of the common things that I bump into and I've explained it, you know, so many times in so many different ways, furniture of the mind versus actual IP mm -hmm. that is, you know, protected by legislation. How do you explain, how do you, because in a lot of cases, people think the idea is it. But as far as mm -hmm. I'm concerned, the idea is it's important, but it's not it, it is executing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, well, I mean, so once you've written it down, the format in which you've written it down is, is, I mean, technically covered by copyright. But, but, but the reality is, is that somebody could take that idea um, and and translate that into physical product or, mm. you know, um, so, so, so you you have to take that next step. You can't sort of there's, there's less people around trying to buy an idea <laughs> um, than there is buying an actual you know viable business based on that idea. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, maybe uh, tell us a little bit how uh, people would would get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out. Where would where would they find you, Pete? Uh, so we have an office in St Kilda Road, so in three ninety St Kilda Road, opposite Anzac Station and Melbourne Grammar, and um, we yeah. So so, but also on email, LinkedIn, 
Um, so happy for you to share those details. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, so or through you, if, if they know you, you know, you can refer them on to me. Um, uh, well, hopefully, a lot of them don't know me, and they just uh, they listen to the podcast and and uh, and and, <laughs> and click away and and come to you. So, um, uh, yep. we'll we'll definitely include. Uh, so, you're happy for me to include your email uh, and obviously the web address uh, sure. in the in the show notes. Fantastic. All right, Pete. Well, thank you so much for wow. for today. I really really appreciate it. Good luck with everything nice. you're doing, um, uh, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Excellent. No worries. Right. Cheers. Thanks, Pete. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Peter North from 3P Legal. You can find his contact details in the show notes. Until next time, this is Entrepreneurship with Peter Christo.